Welcome to Apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends that have a lot to say. This week, we're going to talk about the podcast No Stupid Questions and the book One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. Later, after that, we'll also talk about something that we are ruminating on this week, and that is the impeachment trial of the former president, Donald Trump. Also, throughout this episode, we are going to be drinking tea. This is a chocolate raspberry tea that came from a company called Lit Joy Crate, but the tea itself is made from Riddle's Tea Shop. So the tea smells amazing. It smells just like chocolate raspberry. The idea was supposed to be that it was like an ice cream flavor. I would never have said it was ice cream, but I would definitely like said I was eating like it smells like a chocolate raspberry tort. Yeah, like definitely some kind of sweet confection. Mm-hmm. But because of the smell and how good it smells, I have to say I was really skeptical of how it was going to taste, especially because it was not an expected tea flavor. But it's, I don't know, it's strong enough that you get the flavor, but it's mild enough that it, it's not like you're, you know, drinking yeah. a truffle or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's not molten chocolate or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It reminds me a little bit also, this might be a little weird, but it reminds me a little bit of um, chocolate Tootsie Roll Pops. Like the smell mostly more than the flavor, but maybe, maybe the aftertaste. The aftertaste. Slightly Uh also. Yeah. Which is weird because I don't really like those, but I love this tea. I do. So I know you do. I like both. (laughs) (laughs) You know me, I'm a, I'm a chocolate snob. So that. Tootsie Roll not going to do it. That's okay. You can give all your chocolate Tootsie Roll Pops to me. I will. Okay. So we will be enjoying that as we discuss. And I think we would both recommend if anyone is looking for an interesting new tea. For sure. And we are not sponsored by Riddles, but if they would like to sponsor this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) please, please contact me and we can talk about that. One positive review right here. Okay, let's talk about this podcast. Oh my um, gosh. So, no Stupid Questions is one of our favorite podcasts. It is hosted by Stephen Dubner and um, Angela Duckworth, who I have to say, I mean, I really love them both, and their voices also for podcasting are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to be friends with Angela Duckworth. There's something about her that I just love. Um, but every week they talk about two different questions and sort of analyze and go through I mean I guess just questions yeah and use social science to answer them yeah so I found this podcast and I said Megan you have to listen because every time I listened to it I was like this is totally her thing so she probably (laughs) understands she probably understands a lot of it way more than me but I find it um very interesting and again the hosts are amazing and so intelligent i love listening to them because it's just so they're just so smart agreed Uh, agreed yeah i want to either take classes with angela duckworth or just be her (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but in the last week's episode they talked about uh well two things that they talked about shosh and i just are amazed with (laughs) and one of them is they there is some research done on ceos and 
comparing their companies to one another in terms of progression, progressive policies, particularly on gender related issues, could compare the companies based on whether or not the CEOs had daughters. So if the CEO has a daughter, you can look at that versus CEOs who had either no children or only sons. And they found that if they have a daughter, the entire company was more progressive in their um, policies for gender, particularly gender equality, than if the CEOs had no children or sons. And understandably, <laughs> I found this to be <laughs> crazy. Um, I mean, it's understandable in the sense that if you have personal experience, that that would affect, you know, how you approach things in general in life. So there would obviously, it's not hard to make a leap that, that it would include your work life and what you think about, you know, what's happening in your work sphere. But one of the things that I found so interesting was that I, well, they didn't comment on it, so that doesn't mean it doesn't play a role. But I wondered how it affected these CEOs if they had a wife and not just daughters. Now, because they only commented mm, on... Like if they were married and with with a daughter instead of... Or if they well, were single or married, with a daughter. Well, like married with no kids or boys. You know, like if there was a strong female presence in their life, did that still make a difference? Or was it only daughters because somehow your perspective changes as you're raising daughters and like seeing them, you know, like grow up and go through all the things that, you know, yeah, kids, I mean, girls or boys have to deal with. Implication is that like just the fact of raising a daughter is what leads to a greater understanding of the need for progress in this area of gender equality. I want to know more. <laughs> I'm just surprised that even though I can understand it to a certain degree, I'm surprised that it would make enough difference that they could say it makes a difference, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, what really surprises me is that the difference between like raising men and raising women, like that, like it didn't affect you to have a, a son only because in my world, <laughs> um, I, we are always like people of my generation, mothers, I should say, of my generation are always talking about how they want to raise their sons to be better men in the world. <laughs> like, how do we raise our boys to treat people better? And so I would, I would not have anticipated there be such a huge difference between CEOs who are raising boys and CEOs who are raising women. I wonder how much it affects literally just everybody not even ceos if they've had daughters versus only sons or no kids right so maybe we just need everybody in the world to have a daughter just maybe everyone who wants to have children okay we won't force people <laughs> to have children <laughs> but i just mean maybe maybe that's what's been missing with uh furthering women's rights throughout the whole world maybe well sure everybody I mean, needs to have a daughter that would be great yes the other thing that megan and i really latched on to was from the fact check at the end and somewhere in it angela duckworth had said something like everybody has an inner monologue and in the fact check, 
what they told us was that in actuality, not all people have an inner monologue. Only 30 to 50% of people do. Now, Megan and I have discussed this quite, quite a bit because we have really latched onto this as just something that basically blows our mind. And both of us knew that there were different ways for people to think, but we did not know the statistic and it has blown our minds. Yes, like th- there is a possibility, there's a th- at least a theory out there that 70% of humans either have no monologue at all or think only in abstract thought. And I, as I someone who that. ruminates, <laughs> who has an internal conversation with herself, pretty much, I mean, probably 24 hours a day, I'm just not conscious of it while I'm sleeping, but like my brain's still doing that in dream world. What? Like I can't even, huh? That is a lot of people, up yeah. to 70% of people. Like, how do you discuss I mean, morals the, in your head? <laughs> at the low side, 50%. I don't know. I just really have a hard time comprehending this. I think the analogy that I used for Megan when I was really having trouble, like, grasping this was the same way I think about space. Like, I know that we're on a planet that's revolving around the sun in space, but, like, I can't comprehend that. Like, what... Where, where does space go? What is space in? What, what is happening with space? Yes. I feel the same way about this. Like, I, I understand, but I just can't really understand. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like, I know what a black hole is. and I know how it's supposed to work. And I like vaguely, I can't say I understand the math, but I can, t- I know that there is math that exists that explains it. But where does stuff go? Like, I don't get it. And like, like again, That's what I'm saying. Like, empathize and like understand on that like very surface level that someone might not have an inner monologue, but then literally how to think, what do they think, what like what what like, like how does that work? What? <laughs> right. Are they seeing pictures? Are they, are are they we sure they're human? It? Like, are they, I just, I mean, I know that there is an answer here, mm-hmm. and that. You know, the people who don't think the same way as us clearly would think that we're the weird ones because right. they're used to however they think. But I'm just blown away that there is that much difference and that many people right. that think so differently. And I Me really, really cannot too. wrap my mind around this. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, it doesn't matter. My aunt asked us all around the table. Um, she, we went around. She was like, OK, uh, imagine a calendar and tell me what you see. And like people went around and they would say like some people listed like saw a calendar in like a circle, like each month was part of the circle. Some people saw it like they would flip through a calendar that would be on the wall. Uh, Some people saw uh, the calendar like in the monthly format. Like if you're, you know, I'm in the planner world. So you've got planners that have the monthly format or the weekly format or the daily format. Um, And just seeing like the difference in how people think about the calendar year was really like interesting and then it brought up a discussion of I think it's called neurosynesthesia but I don't need to look that up um and it's like when people like will experience like sound as feeling or experience or you can see colors or see like words or numbers in color so like my husband was saying that he always sees the number nine 
I think he actually says that the number nine is a black female. Like, he, like the numbers even have genders. Um, and I think number two is always yellow. So one of them is always yellow. Um, so he literally like one through nine and I think zero. So zero through nine. Each of the numbers has its own color. But see, that's crazy too. I mean, that's amazing. Right? But those are things that I literally never even consider. And then you start telling me those things and I start trying to think about them. But then I have a hard time visualizing or figuring it out because now I'm thinking about what you told me about what other people are thinking. Right? But like, I'm pretty sure none of my numbers are in different colors because I think I would know that. So, I mean, clearly I must not be... You yeah, know, thinking about numbers the same way. And I definitely have never assigned them a gender. <laughs> but the fact that that happens is both amazing and like mind boggling because mm -hmm. I don't know how to like process that because yeah. it's so different, apparently, than how I think right? and see numbers in my mind. Yes, yeah, so amazing. And like I do this thing where I like pretty much all fonts get anthropomorphized so like depending on how words like the letters look they might be like attacking the other letters or like eating the other letters I just but I anthropomorphize literally everything yeah like, you need to tell them about your closet <laughs> well so you know people talk a lot about like they're like oh I have these clothes that like I just haven't worn in years so I'm just gonna give those away <laughs> I don't understand that because I rotate through all of my clothes because I don't want any of them to be sad that they're not worn. <laughs> Whereas, see, I have never given the thought to my clothes that any of them might feel left out. I literally just pick whatever I want and I tend to rotate through a lot of the same things. So I have a lot of stuff that doesn't get worn very often. Well, I have clothes that don't always get worn very often, like categories, like I don't wear a lot of dresses, but my dresses still, I try and rotate through them so that they all get worn. I'm like, except for like the super fancy ones that like pretty much could only be worn at certain right. fairs. <laughs> and I'm just You're like, not going to wear sorry. like a formal dress <laughs> to right. work just because you don't want it to be sad. Exactly. Well, I guess the moral of this whole story is that it's amazing that people can think so differently about stuff. Right? I love it. I love learning things like that. But I was, I was like, seriously, potentially 70% of people don't have an inner monologue. Like, how, I love it how? too. I just am having a hard time, like, fully comprehending it. Mm -hmm. Should we talk about a book? Yes. So we just finished reading One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. Should we start with like a rating? Like if we give it one to five stars, put you on the I mean, we can, here. but that is a lot of pressure. So for this book, I personally would give it a five. Me too. Oh, phew. <sighs> <laughs> it was we survived like a, a rating. <laughs> right. So it, for those who don't know, the book is essentially a it's a like a bachelorette type story like like the tv show the bachelorette with like a plus-sized woman yes and um but i feel like every time i say that i'm like but it's so much better than that sounds <laughs> yeah i have to say especially if you're not one for reality tv which neither one of us is really a big reality tv person yeah. uh that doesn't necessarily sound appealing right but don't let that detract from the book 
and keep you from reading it because it's actually so, so good. Yeah. I think some of the things that I liked the most about it was one that it felt really real, especially at the beginning. I felt like I was actually reading somebody's real like life experience more like a nonfiction type thing rather than just a fictional book, which I really, really liked that kind of like drew me in more. And the other thing that I really liked was how the story was told because rather than, yes, rather than just getting the, you know, thoughts of basically the main character as all this stuff is happening, it was told through a variety of methods. So you had like blog posts and tweet um, chains and text chains and, reviews and emails back and forth and I just really liked how it was all put together and it was a really really interesting way of giving you a lot of information without necessarily having to like act out every single scene if that makes sense mm-hmm. I don't know maybe Agreed. you can put that more eloquently no that I don't think I can that is it uh it really the format of the book allowed for it like it never felt like it got bogged down in the details it never like anything that was like high and any of the high anxiety moments I felt like they were well like you got to to live in that moment but you didn't have to like dwell in that moment um so like you didn't have to ruminate so to speak you could like just continue on with the story um and like you could also like your experience was probably going to be reflected back to you in someone's response so as you're like reading people's twitter responses like one of those responses was going to be what you were thinking um and also what you were hoping nobody else would think but was pretty sure that somebody (laughs) else would think (laughs) so you could also get mad but Oh, for sure. There were so many times where I was like, oh, do not let this happen. Do not let this happen. And then, like you said, there would be a tweet or a blog post or something and you would be like, oh, no, somebody did it. But that was part of the great thing because I hadn't really thought of it exactly how you just phrased it. But it's true. You were going to see what your thoughts were as well as all the things you wouldn't want to see, but you would in real life. And so... Uh, yeah it let you go through all of the emotions and that's what made it feel so real and accessible mm-hmm. yeah and like and so perfect for kate i feel like i can call her kate even though i've never met her but i'm gonna call her social media expert i think so and, fair. Uh, you could see that like she could, could really like it all felt real because she um I'm sure I had experienced quite a bit of that because she worked on like the Hillary Clinton campaign. Reality TV isn't something that we would, well, at least us would really love necessarily, but she was able to use it to talk about and sort of tackle like some deeper issues, but it was also done in like a fun way. You know, like it was enjoyable even when you were getting so frustrated because you couldn't believe somebody would like say that or do that. Mm -hmm. But I liked that all of those issues there were so many of them were like an undercurrent through the whole thing mm-hmm. yeah she, i mean she really got to address some serious some like gender issues some um body dysmorphia some sexuality and yeah it was really nice to see all of that uh, for sure come out and you know be tested so to speak but also handled in ways that one can hope we actually get to definitely 
Yeah. I don't know, but it was nice because it wasn't just, it was nice that they were there in general, but also that it wasn't just one issue because, because she was a plus size contestant on the show, the first one ever, obviously the main thing was about body issue in general. So it could have only focused on this on or on like that one simple thing, not simple, it's anything but simple, but you know what I'm saying? Like it could have focused only on one issue, but like you just mentioned, there were all of these other issues that were brought in and it, and not, you know, technically you wouldn't have had to cover any of those. You know, your point was we're talking about this plus size um, contestant and how people respond to her and how she responds back and all that sort of stuff. But by putting in all that other stuff, oh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. She did it like so gracefully. That might not be the right word, but it was like none of them were like picked out as like, I don't know, sort of like an awkward thing that she's just putting in there to like throw something in. Like everything just flowed and worked perfectly. And there were like so many issues. I think graceful is a, is a great term actually for this book because um, there's a lot of moments where like there's a lot of grace just shown to different characters throughout the book um, both in ways that uh, some of us are like yeah I wouldn't I don't know that I would actually respond that kindly to things and then some in ways where like it is just beautiful to see people support each other um, and give each other that grace in that way. So I definitely say if you read the synopsis and you're like, this isn't for me, ignore that feeling and read it anyway. <laughs> Agreed. And I mean, we both gave it five stars. So yes. Uh, and our friend Carla was like, for? I don't like, we gave her a list of what were there six or nine books that we ranked? Six, I think. Okay. So her, this was her like, number six like she wanted to read this the least and she loved it so so much so that <laughs> I even offered to take it off of our book club list and I was like oh well I'll just read it on my own or Megan and I can just read it on our own and she's like no no we've all put our books on this list I'll read it but she was very hesitant she was down, and, yeah. and she was pleasantly surprised by this book mm-hmm. okay Megan what can you not let go this week? What are you thinking about? Well, I don't know if it's truly that I can't let go or just that the podcasts that I consume can't let this go. But uh, there's been more discussion of the Trump impeachment trial. And as far as I can tell, the Republicans don't want to talk about it. They're like, no, no, it's we know that what he did was was incorrect. We know that he did, in fact, inspire and incite a riot um, in an attempt to take over the capital of the United States of America. Um, but we don't want to talk about that. So we're just going to throw out this total, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice word that's not a curse word, um, but just totally illogical process argument. We're in, we're in this process, we're having this process because of Republicans put us here to be having this process argument here and now. And also, if you're going to call this a trial and call talk about process issues, the reason we have process issues in like trials is to make sure that like evidence wasn't tainted. This is not an evidence tainting scenario. This is just we don't want to talk about it. So we're going to talk about process. Oh. <laughs> Makes me so mad. So there's my so, rant. There's what I can't let go of. 
Megan and I have to be very careful because we have a lot of feelings about this. A lot of strong feelings about this. So we're going to be careful to not um, overwhelm everybody. <laughs> so I, I have a response. I also can't let this go. Again, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are talking about it, understandably, because it is news and current events and what's happening. Um, beyond that, though, I have actually been watching a decent amount of the trial. Sometimes it's very frustrating, but I kind of just feel like I have to because I it's so important. I feel like I have to know what's going on. Um, now, I can't take credit for this. This was actually something that Megan said to me earlier this week in one of our discussions, but it so perfectly sums up some of my frustration and, because I just can't get over how political it is. And she said... The Now, this is basically talking about the Republican senators, let's be clear. But she says they're being politicians instead of leaders. Mm -hmm. And that is 100% true. And it really just gets to the heart of one of my biggest problems with all of this. Because they're all just worried about their reelection. They're not looking or caring about the facts of what's happening and what's being laid out. They're not caring about what they experienced or saw the firsthand they're not caring about the future of the U.S., their own party or democracy, and they're Logic. not doing their duty to uphold and protect the Constitution and the government. So, I mean, that there's we could go on and on and on about all of those things, but really that sums it up. They're being politicians instead of leaders. They're just playing the politics, and they don't care about the rest. And one of the places you can also see that the most that I just cannot get over is one of the things they're trying to argue about this process stuff that Megan was already, already talking to us about <laughs> um, is that they're saying that because he's out of office, it's not constitutional. And there are two problems with that. One is that Mitch McConnell played politics. The only reason, so the house impeached him while he was still president, first of all, Second of all, the only reason the Senate didn't start the quote unquote trial was because Mitch McConnell refused to call the Senate back into session. So he wouldn't allow them to start the trial before he left office. And now that it's after he's out of office and they're starting the trial, he says, oh, well, you can't do it because he's not still in power. So they manufactured this. Right. The other thing along with the processes, the first day they both got to present arguments, both sides, about whether or not this was constitutional. And they voted. Their body voted and said that it is constitutional. They voted in the body. The Senate said this can proceed and it's constitutional. And now the Republicans are saying they're ignoring the issue at hand and saying, well, I didn't think this trial was constitutional right, should happen. No. So there, therefore I can't say, I can't convict him because we shouldn't be having this discussion. But the thing is, is like whether you agreed with it being constitutional or not, which PS was all political anyways, but whether or not you agreed with that, your body said that it is constitutional. So now you need to let that go. And you're supposed to be an impartial juror and you are not. I could literally go on for hours. Megan yeah. knows this. She hears way too much from me about all of this. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say, though, Shosh, before we end our podcast today? 
I watched the <laughs> Seth Meyers thing today. I love Seth Meyers, by the way. And I think he's literally having like a, a nervous breakdown or something. He said at the end that his two-year-old is having some sleep regression and he hasn't been getting a full night's sleep. So <laughs> probably he's just sleep deprived. But I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Um, he went on a whole rant that started with the fact that he says, well, said Legos, which I would argue is a pretty American thing. So I'm living in the UK and it wasn't until I moved to the UK that somebody corrected me and said, Legos is not a thing. The plural of Legos is just Lego. Cause I would have said they are Lego brand Legos, but I mean, I still would have said Legos. Like I'm going to play Legos. These are Legos. So apparently he said Legos and then a whole bunch of people started correcting him, including Lego who <laughs> said <actually>, trademark <laughs> yes who said actually the plural of lego isn't lego it's lego bricks but anyways he went on this crazy rant about that and a character from i think mad max that apparently he was saying wrong and he was just like losing his mind but it was amazing and i can't stop thinking about it especially because i'm like uh it, Legos is a thing. I'm sorry, Lego. I get that it means like, let's play. <laughs> and that because it has an actual meaning, <laughs> like you can't just add an S. But I'm like, um, Americans, I'm pretty sure it's pretty well um, established that we just say Legos. But anyways, everyone should look up Seth Meyers freaking out about <laughs> Lego versus Legos, Legos. Because it was great. <laughs> Megan, do you say Lego or Legos? Oh, I definitely put the S at the end. I don't think I've ever just said Lego. Unless I was saying, like, Lego my ego. <laughs> Which has a different meaning. Totally. It doesn't, doesn't have to do with plastic blocks. Nope. But I'm pretty sure I've always called them Legos. Me too. That's what I'm saying. I think it's an American thing. Because it wasn't until I moved to the UK that one of the people I work with was like, you know the plural of Legos. Or of Lego is Lego. And I was like, No. Well, I certainly no. would have said Lego bricks. What about the people? Like, I have Lego people. Are they Lego people? Lego brick people? Like, I have no idea. I have no they idea. They probably are. It's actually not that bad to say Lego brick people. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I just like the little flower petals that I have. Don't. They're not even bricks. They're still Lego. <laughs> Okay, we need to leave it there, but I really feel like Legos should be the plural of Lego and that that should be acceptable. Yep. All right, on that note, we'll talk to y'all next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that'll be going in the blooper reel at the end. <laughs> <sighs> Wait, why do we have bloopers? <laughs> I always feel weird when we're starting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I get a little bit like. Uh. <laughs> so I think you're, uh, yeah, more eloquent than maybe you think you are. Thanks, lady. Yeah. <laughs>